I invite you to turn with me in God's holy word in 2 John, one of the very last books of the Bible, 2 John. God doesn't have multiple chapters, so it's just 2 John, and we'll read verses 1 through 3, and our, our text is verse 3, which is the blessing, the greeting from our God. People of God, hear the glorious gospel revealed in God's holy infallible word. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth and not only I but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and in love. Well, people of God, that word from God's word. We look together tonight in kind of a theme for the day as we continue from our morning worship, as we looked at the nature of worship itself and that we worship in reverence and awe. And we are standing in the holy city and the, the courtroom of God and the throne room and the holy of holies at this very moment. And in that place, And in a place of worship, uh, God greets us. He greets us. So we're going to look at four main things. A, A point of introduction, which is the nature of the greeting. And then the content of the greeting, the giver of the greeting, and the recipients of the greeting. Uh, and so we look together at that as we look closely at verse Three. Well, first of all, what is the nature of a greeting by way of introduction? Uh, the greeting uh, could be thought of, and you children, uh, you greet uh, people all the time, don't you? And we greet one another. Greetings are a normal course of almost everyday life, although most are kind of flippant. Uh, they're kind of flippant. They're, you know, just it's a very quick thing. Uh, sometimes be, people say a greeting and they just say, how's it going? And they really don't expect you to answer, but it's kind of a kind of a nonsensical greeting if you really think about it. You're asking a question, you don't expect an answer, but it's a greeting. Or, or you say hi or hello. Uh, these are all uh, ways that we would greet one another. Uh, but uh, this greeting from God is... Its very nature is that it's really been unchanged since God has has brought His greeting upon His people uh, from the very beginning of creating for Himself a people. They have been a greeted people. Uh, that is an essential part of worship. And the Heidelberg Catechism on the nature of the second commandment, uh, the second commandment, has an emphasis on how we worship. 
And we don't worship in idolatry, but we only worship, and particularly corporate worship, in the way that God has commanded us. So we ought not to do anything in worship unless God has commanded it. But be assured, and I think it will become obvious as we look at the nature of a greeting, that yes, God has commanded us, Uh, He has commanded that His greeting be placed upon His people in the context of worship. And that's why we do it. Or we shouldn't do it. But we do do it because God has commanded us to do that. So one of the very nature of the greeting is it's commanded. It is to be be applied on a regular basis. And so really twice each worship service, four times each Lord's Day for those uh, who worship twice, uh, someone may listen or be part of a worship more, but, but, uh, but in the typical uh, biblical pattern of worship, there is both a greeting and a benediction, and both are basically fundamentally the same in terms of meaning and nature, and that they are the blessing of God being conferred upon His people the blessing of God conferred upon His people. Now, that, that greeting from God, uh, sometimes people have said to me, well, when the pastor gives the greeting, should we fold our hands because it's a prayer? And uh, in the, the pattern of greetings given in the New Testament, uh, there are times when it looks like a prayer. Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter three, uh, there is this uh, this pattern. It says that looks like a prayer. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you. Now that when you say may the Lord of peace, that seems like a prayer. It's at the beginning of the book. It's a greeting. Um, well, it's actually the end of the book and it's the benediction. But it's the blessing being conferred and it looks like a prayer. But Not all greetings sound like that in the Bible. I have had a practice uh, throughout my ministry to use a variety of ways in which the New Testament brings the greeting and benediction. And so I will take that greeting and benediction from numerous books of the Bible uh, throughout the course of a year. Uh, Not just one. Now, there are pastors who always use the same one for a greeting and for a benediction. That's, I don't think that's an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, but we note that the exact same words aren't always used in the text. So sometimes it sounds like a prayer. Sometimes it sounds like a declaration. Uh, just, it's just declared. Romans uh, chapter 1. Uh, is makes it sound like a declaration. Verse 7, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a declaration. There's no may. There's no prayer in that. It's simply a declaration. Uh, there are greetings that have within them the element of a promise. A promise. Uh, and the blessing, think of it as a greeting, the benediction. Bene actually has within it the context of, of, of blessing. The blessing of God is oftentimes associated with a promise. And certainly the, the declaration that we are blessed by God and God Himself is giving that blessing. 
we ought to be we ought to fully realize uh, the unique situation that stands in the contrast to being cursed by God, which everyone outside of Christ is cursed by God, contrasted to being blessed by God, and it is God's people and God's people alone, ultimately through Christ, that are blessed. It's through Christ that we receive this blessing with a prophetic element, with a declaration of an absolute promise that is declared to us, that follows the pattern of blessing that that uh, Jacob gave in his blessings to his children in, in uh, Genesis chapter 49, where we have that blessing where at the end of his life he, he gives a blessing to each one of his sons with the son Judah being the one that has the focus of the blessing which ultimately is that uh, the work of Jesus Christ will be blessed because it's pointing to Christ but in Genesis 49 8 through 10 we read Judah your brother shall praise you your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies your father's son shall bow down before you Judah is a lion's cub from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Uh, that great blessing conferred upon Judah, ultimately upon Christ, by this patriarch, prophet of God in the Old Testament. But people of God, uh, the clearest point of, of what how God would have His blessing conferred upon His people is found in that uh, great blessing of the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 6. Number 6. Uh, and we're very familiar. Uh, many of us have heard that blessing uh, probably hundreds of times as it's come. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. That blessing conferred upon His people. But that blessing comes in the context of these verses. That's verses 24 through 26. Verse 22, it declares, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons. Priests, uh, uh, thus you shall bless the people of, of Israel and shall say to them, and then that great blessing. And at the end it says, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Uh, we have the clear command that this blessing of God, the blessing of God must be conferred upon His people. The name of God must be put upon His people. That's the nature of the blessing that God has given. And it's the blessing. It, it's spoken by the priests. It's spoken by pastors. It's spoken by those who are in authoritative office. But it is a blessing that God is giving. Just as we saw this morning that uh, the minister may be speaking, but Hebrews 12 says that it's, it's Jesus speaking to you from heaven. So pay attention, listen, believe the words that are said. And so here too, 
Uh, it is the it's not just the words of a pastor, or it wasn't just the words of the priests of the Old Testament. It is God blessing His people. There is no greater source of joy. There is no life apart from the blessing of God. And so what is the content of this blessing? Well, we cannot look at uh, the, the depths of this content uh, because we could have, again, there, these words have tremendous, uh, there's a fullness to these words. Grace, mercy, peace will be with us will be with us. And we look at the content from this specific greeting. We could look at the contents of other greetings, but we look at this. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you. There is a a prophetic proclamation in will be with you. Uh, We see a promise will be with you. And the will is already happening. Right? As soon as it's said, the future is there. So it will be with you. And right after it's said, it's happening. That that blessing of God is conferred upon His people. The Lord's blessing will be with you. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace. And not a common word in the Apostle John's uh, writing. Uh, but a word that appears in critical passages of John and his writing. And one of those is at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, in John 1. And we'll begin with verse 14. And you just see that uh, this John 1 and the first verses of John 1 really summarize and and they really emphasize the, the main themes of of really all of the Apostle John's writings. And uh, certainly the Gospel and and really all. Revelation or the the epistles of John. It's just the common themes of all of John's writings. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after Me ranks before Me because He was before Me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. That, uh, that, and, and that, that uh, summary of grace can be seen even in the letters of grace, right? You, we know God's riches at Christ's expense. But certainly an element of what grace is for the people of God. It's a grace uh, that uh, comes uh, to God's uh, people. Uh, there are various ways in which you can define these words in their totality. Uh, but if we think about the three of them in common, the several commentators have, have just summarized them in, in different ways. Uh, grace is uh, the very heart of the meaning of the word of grace is gift, something that comes as a gift, undeserved, unmerited, that cannot be paid for. 
It comes as a gift from God. So grace is always that which comes to us that's not earned or deserved. It doesn't come because it's a reward. It doesn't come because we are getting paid for it. It's always a gift. And so various commentaries tie these three great themes together this way. Grace removes guilt. Mercy removes misery. Peace expresses a continuance in grace and in mercy. That's just one way to think of the, these three themes uh, related. Or another, grace points to the absolute freedom of God's love in relationship to man's helplessness to win it and mercy to his tenderness towards man's misery. Peace stands for, and this gets at the Old Testament uh, meaning of the word peace and the depth of that and the, that word that you may have, have some familiarity with, the word shalom. So this peace stands for harmony, trust, rest, safety, and even freedom. It is God's gift to man. From the divine persons of the Godhead, the apostle craves grace. He craves grace, divine favor and goodwill, the spring of all good things. It is grace indeed that any spiritual blessing should be given to sinful souls. Mercy, free pardon and forgiveness for those already rich in grace need continual forgiveness, peace, quietness of spirit and of conscience. Quietness of spirit and of conscience. Assured reconciliation with God together with all outward prosperity that is really for our good, these are desired in truth and in love. Grace, mercy, peace, pity. These are the things that that we see focused on in in this greeting, this content of the, the greeting. So who in the text is the giver of that greeting? Who is the giver of the greeting of God? Well, that's... That's very easy to answer if you look at the text. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. Maybe easy, people of God, but I want you to reflect for a moment on the, the drastic unusualness of this greeting. This is totally unusual it's usual to us uh, we we think it's just common it's just common but we ought not to ever think of god's greeting as being common even though we hear it so often but this greeting and the greetings of the new testament would be radical departures from the old testament pattern of greeting. Even though there are those who see in the threefold declaration of the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord cause His face to shine upon you, a a prophetic Trinitarian uh, element, which I am not denying, and yet the fullness of that is seen in the greetings we find in the New Testament. Uh, There are those that would Uh, specifically address the Holy Spirit as well. We're not going to focus on that, but on that which is before us in our text. And so the text says that the greeting comes from 
God the Father. Even here, there is an unusual element. Uh, God being declared as the Father of His people in the Old Testament wasn't absent, but it was not dominant the way it is in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there was no Lord's Prayer where we address God as our Father who art in heaven as a normal course of prayer. That is just not common in the Old Testament. But it is in the New Testament. And to receive the blessing of God as a father to his children, even though that is the true God, God, using the word God, that sovereign, almighty, all-powerful, totally holy uh, God, and yet that God is our Father. We see that uh, this God is the one from whom grace, mercy, and peace are being given. It's not from grace, mercy, and peace earn it, as we've already seen the very nature of the words themselves lend to the fact that all of these things are gifts not earned or deserved. And so it becomes very clear (coughs) that the grace, mercy, and peace come from, from God the Father. He is the giver of the greeting. He's the giver of that which is within the greeting. He's the giving of the blessing that's inherent in the promises proclaimed in the greeting. And only God can do this. He gives that greeting from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus, from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. Well, once again, people of God, uh, it ought to strike us as so unusual in the context of Old Testament practice and pattern. There was no such clear declaration of the blessing coming from the Son. Now, that is because the Son had not been revealed in His fullness. The Son had not completed His work. But know the radical difference in this greeting. Could you imagine in the Old Testament that God would have declared or Moses would have declared, uh, oh, by the way, Aaron say, the Lord and Moses bless you. The Lord and David bless you. The Lord and Isaiah bless you. That would have been blasphemy. That would have been totally inappropriate. And this word comes, and it says, the Lord, the, the God, the Father bless you grant you peace. Jesus grant you peace. And Jesus. And Jesus. That name that focuses on the fact that Yahweh, Yahshua, Jesus saves. The Lord saves. Jesus saves. You call Him Jesus, for He will save His people from His sin. He, Jesus, will save His people. Again, language that is not found uh, in the Old Testament, certainly not in the context of the grace, mercy, and, God, and peace of God being showered upon us because of God's salvation, His saving work in our lives. From Jesus Christ. And here we have that 
perfect mediator being declared, that one who is the anointed one, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus has an emphasis on the divine nature, although it's Jesus Christ, the person. And, and it is uniting the person there. But clearly, we can think of Jesus, the very name meaning Yahweh saves, the Lord saves, in some contrast to Christ, which is in the Old Testament, that the priest is anointed and the prophet is anointed and the king is anointed. And so this emphasis on that one who is true God incarnate and true man, so there is this blessing coming from the completed work of Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Very unusual, strikingly different, very unexpected, and yet clearly revealed in the blessings of the New Testament and totally consistent with who Jesus is from time and eternity, which is emphasized in the next words. Grace, mercy, and peace from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. The Father's Son. Once again, people of God, we hear this phrase so often that it becomes absolutely common to us and it is the most uncommon phrase that you could find. We say, well, that's not an uncommon phrase. We're talking about fathers, sons all the time. No, we're not. We're not talking about fathers, sons all the time. And certainly Scripture doesn't do that. There's 46 times in Scripture that Jesus is called Son of God, the Father's Son, Son of the Father. So one of those types of phrases. There is no place in Scripture that any other person is ever described in such a way. doesn't exist. This phrase is totally unique to Jesus. Now, it calls us sons of God, children of God, but never... The beloved Son. Never the Son of the Father. In the singular, as it singularly is related to the Father. This is because that relationship and this phrase reflects the truth that John declares in the Gospel, that Jesus declares in the Gospel in John chapter 10, 27 through 21. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. One And in those verses we read this truth. My sheep hear my voice. And this is Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Well, no human being can say that about anyone, can they? Only Jesus the Christ, the Son of God can say that. My Father... My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. I am the Son 
of the Father, the singular Son of the Father. And there is none other like it. There is no other relationship that uh, has ever existed. In fact, this is an eternal relationship. And I and the Father are one. I am the eternal Son in such a unique way that God will never call anyone throughout redemptive history Son of God. David, Son of God, doesn't exist. Only Jesus, Son of God, because He and the Father are one. And verse 31, And the Jews picked up stone again to stone Him because they considered it blasphemy, because they considered it totally inappropriate. And there's really only two responses to this kind of declaration from God's Word about Jesus being Son of the Father. You either fall down and worship Him, you either look to Him for your only hope of salvation, or you throw stones at Him. And you try to kill Him, at least figuratively, to kill who He is, to destroy His message. There's only two options that are there. There's only two options. One is to humble yourself before Him. And the other is to run from Him. And if you humble, if you know that humility before God, if you you say, my only hope is in, in being blessed by God, my only hope is in the work of Jesus the Savior, Jesus the One who is saving His people from their sin, my only hope is Jesus, then this greeting is for you. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. Who's the us? It's John and the children. uh, In verse 13, uh, we find out it's the children of your elect sister greet you. And John is part of that elect sister. And who is the greeting to? The elder to the elect lady and her children. It's the elect lady and her children who receive the blessing of God. And it is only the elect lady and her children who receive the blessing of God. Those who exist in truth and in love, in the truth of God and His Gospel and the love of God as it's revealed through Jesus Christ, it's only there that the blessing of God exists. It's only to those. Now when it says the elect lady, it focuses on the fact that we as a people of God are a community of faith. Elect lady is the singular. And then, and her children focuses on that elect lady is made up of individuals. So it's both corporate and individual. There's a corporate nature to to whom the blessing of God comes and there's an individual nature to whom? Because it comes to the corporate in the context of each individual that's a part of it. The elect lady and her children. Elect. Elect of sovereign grace. Elect not because of anything that we have done. Elect because of God's sovereign choice. And that's the, those upon whom that God confers these grace, mercy, and peace. The elect who live in and have faith in the truth and experience the love and fellowship with God that arises out of being blessed by God. And they live out that reality in truth and in love. Or in uh, some other words, in doctrine and life. Truth and love. Doctrine and life. 
in all of what we in all of our existence in in doctrine and in life we have this blessing of god conferred upon us that that is realized in concrete fellowship with god a fellowship whereby we say i am loved by god and i love god i am loved by jesus and i love jesus it is the christian life The Christian life is the experience of the blessing of God that is the reality of the living reality of grace and mercy and peace flowing from the Father and the Son to us in truth and in love. And that is something that we don't only experience at the beginning, at the end of a worship service, but we ought to step forward every day and every hour knowing that we live as God's people who have faith in that One who is our only comfort in life and in death, we have we step forward in this new week with confidence in a living Savior and a real fellowship with God through Christ in truth and in love. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, May, O God, we be impressed with the total uniqueness of living under Your blessing as Father and the blessing that comes from Your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, O Lord, we give You all the praise.